Yes, it's me, Mike Stone, and this is the Backseat Driver Podcast. It's the fastest, it's the friendliest, and it's for all the family. The Gas Shocks 116 Trophy and 120 Coupe Cup are the fastest growing race series in the UK, taking in six one-hour races and eight sprints at all the top circuits. Visit 116trophy.com to find out more and get yourself behind the wheel. I'd like to introduce the Backseat Driver Radio Show, a man who has just written about the Yorkshire Rally Mafia. Now, I suppose we could say, since this is Yorkshire, if they make you an offer you can't refuse, that you do refuse, there's every uh, potential opportunity that you could wake up with a flat hat in your bed. <laughs> but the man who knows all about the Yorkshire Rally Mafia is rally driver, co-driver, sometimes he stopped, he started, he stopped and started, Jonathan Pullin, better known as JP. JP, welcome to the Backseat Driver Radio Show. Nice to see you, Mark. Nice to see you. What or who are the Yorkshire Rally Mafia? Well, it's been a journey of uh, discovery to find out about that, really, Mark. I, I heard of the, the, the term probably back in the 60s yeah. when I got interested in rallying. And, and uh, I, I, who, who invented that name is beyond me. Mm. We have absolutely no idea. But do you know the name still stands to today? So Which we is- still have Yorkshire Rally Mafia drivers now. Um, Matthew Robinson, Steve Bannister, people like that yeah. are still out there doing this stuff and so uh, yeah it's it still exists today who's the don we have to ask the question who's the don oh open for debate <laughs> I, think, I think i think read the book and you'll probably make up your own mind yeah in that particular era certainly today see bannister probably has got to be seen as the the the, 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 the don yeah yeah he's yeah. it's just a tremendous driver so spectacular um very nice chap very calm um has a fantastic following and and he lets his driving do the talking that's yeah. where it all comes from with steve very humble guy very talented i mean the one thing is i mean i'm a member of a particular club i'm a member of a few but the ilkley and district motor club mm. Ra- uh, they are staggeringly enthusiastic rallying is big in yorkshire i suppose one of the reasons being it's like driving over to your house today <laughs> you drive on some fantastic roads proper rally roads yeah, yeah. i mean how did how did all the rallying come about in Yorkshire? Well, I think that's a good point. Uh, I was lucky enough to get Dave Richards to write one of the forwards for the book. Yeah. And he describes in it that, that um, road rallying, night rallying back in the 60s and 70s were extremely popular. And probably the king area for that would be Wales. Yeah. And that's where most of the road rallying um, started. So it's a religion in Wales, isn't it? Very much so, and still is, bless them. Yeah. Fantastic people who love their sport. Um, uh, the, the forests, when they started to get introduced as, as the events became more popular at the end of the 60s and into the, into the 70s, more and more organisers were looking for the forest for, for, for um, good special stages. And that came really to Yorkshire. Of yeah. course, Wales has some fantastic mm. forests, as do Scotland and everywhere else in the UK. But at the time, that's where a lot of, a lot of the rides became famous in yeah. Dolby, Cropton, all those famous names. Langdale, oh, Bickley, it goes on, and yeah. uh, I think that's that's where it comes from. The terrain, whether it's road rallies or whether it was uh, forest rallying, Yorkshire has it. Yeah, I mean, one of the great famous rallies that our mutual friend Tim Nash now recreates to a degree yeah. 
was the Mintex that used to be based out of Harrogate. Yeah. And I mean, in its day, it was a seven day long rally. In winter time, it was as good as any snowbound Monte Carlo. <laughs> and it used to attract the world's greatest drivers and the world's top rally teams. And they used to converge on Harrogate. That was for the RSA, that, not for the Mintex. Yeah, but the Mintex was still a big rally. Though, it was an international, yes. Yeah. But it was generally two days long, two yeah. and a half days long. RSC would have been would have been five and a half days long. Yeah. So yeah, big events in those days, long, long events. And some of the Yorkshire Rally Mafia were absolute stars on those events. Yeah. In 1968, um, uh, the, the, a lot of the works teams were concentrating on the World Cup events. And um, although many uh, works teams still entered the RAC, and uh, one of our uh, Yorkshire Rally Mafia heroes came fourth overall in the <laughs> RAC. Uh, uh, that was Phil Cooper in an ex-works Mini Cooper S. Absolute valiant uh, yeah. effort. Uh, and, and I think that was always the beauty, particularly running in the 60s, that you could compete against the works. Yeah. You could have your own private car and compete against works uh, works drivers. And, and to a degree, work. stand a chance. Exactly. Phil Cooper certainly did. Bob Bean, Eric Jackson, some real heroes from that period. Yeah. Or some maybe had some works backing occasionally, but it could certainly give the works drivers a run for the money. Yeah. I mean... What is, would you say, the epicentre of Yorkshire rallying? Where does it base itself these days? Probably Dolby and, and yeah. Cropton and uh, uh, Langdale Forest. Uh, that, that sort of area is, is where it really happens these days. Um, the forests are, are becoming harder and harder to get a hold of. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Forestry Commission, due to various reasons, aren't quite as keen as they used to be on no, lending them out, are they? No, they're not. But oh, some organisers are using some real... Um, uh, real um, imagination. Uh, the Riponian Rally just recently used the Wasp Forest and connected a few forests together using closed roads. Yeah, and that was absolutely fantastic. It made much longer stages, brought an extra element in for the drivers coming off loose surfaces onto the tarmac, and linking three forests together was absolute genius thing to do. And they were able to do that with Gale Rig as well. Brought it and linked it onto yeah. onto a, a closed main road. Fantastic. And only last weekend. We had a closed rally, a uh, closed road rally, uh, special stage event um, run by Beverly Motor Club. Which Regrettably, was I was due to attend that and due to circumstances, I wasn't able to. Nah. It was an event I wanted to go to. Me too, I couldn't make it either, but by the sounds of it, it was an absolute classic. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. So, closed rallying, I think, is starting to come into its own now um, as, as a forest are getting harder and harder to get to. I think closed rallying is probably... For anybody who's not sure of closed rallying, the laws were changed recently to the benefit of rallying that yeah. with suitable applications and notice and everything else, certain public roads can now be closed to be used for competitive events. It doesn't mean they're going to shut the M62 down or anything <laughs> like that, but these are the little B roads yeah. that are open public roads that are in, in many ways infrequently used. I mean, driving to see you today, I've driven down roads that... I think my Morgan's the first car they've seen for a long, long time. So <laughs> these are great roads, but it yeah. brings back, in many ways, a bit like the mm. motoring news. I mean, the motoring news used to take place on public roads. The difference yeah, the was they, they, they didn't shop them. They didn't shop the roads. It just ran through the night. I mean, I, I think they were pretty good with the PR. They would go around and see the, the villages and, and houses that cars were going to go past and where they could or yeah. letters to explain that the event was coming past. But no, I think I think this is probably the way that running is going to go in the UK in the future. I yeah. think uh, it's, it's probably the way forward. It makes it very fast. 
Yes. Uh, very, very fast running. So um, great, uh, great for, for spectators as well as for competitors, I think. I mean, was that rally, was it all tarmac? Or was it, it was all tarmac. It was all tarmac. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, the one thing is, if you're going to rally on tarmac, uh, there'll have to be a degree of setting up of the car, won't there? Because, I mean, a car designed for gravel yeah. and forestry stages yeah. is not a car set up for a tarmac, is no, it? No, exactly. It's, it is a very different setup and a different driving style as well. Yeah. Uh, but when you see some of the drivers out there, they were using pretty well loose surface techniques <laughs> on the tarmac at the time. Great to watch, you know. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it just as the event runs safely. It, I think it's going to be the way the way for, uh, in the future. Yeah. Now to return to your book, mm -hmm. the Yorkshire Rally Mafia. This isn't your first book, is it? No. Wrote the first one for um, a, quite a famous Yorkshire Rally Mafia driver, a chap called Yuck Hodgson. Um, he's quite a legend, really. He's been a, a very competitive driver over the years, um, but a character off the stage as well as on the stage. Yeah. It, um, uh, he he uh, competed in motorsport, but he had his own business, Yuck Speed Rally Spares. Still exists today, selling rally spares uh, and dashboards and that sort of thing. A fantastic guy, a real character, and uh, a very good driver. And um, uh, likes his drink, likes his women, yeah. loves his rally cars. Great guy. I get the feeling it's a sort of bloke. It's, it's a rather nice lady, a Mark II BDA escort. The escort will win every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she won't be far behind. Yeah. <laughs> With a bottle of whiskey. But um, uh, yeah, uh, Yuck is a great character. And uh, he and I were going to an event one day, and uh, I was lucky enough to co drive for him. And uh, we, we, we were talking about, uh, uh, about his life, really. And many times before, it'd been mooted that maybe somebody should write a book one day. Yeah. And I thought, well, I just fancy that challenge. I'll, I'll give it a go. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know how to so go. So you've never written it. a book before? Never. No, it's our first, first go at it. And Yuck's such an entertaining person. Just what it is. You do what it shows in the films. You turn the computer on. Write your first, the heading for your first chapter, and then sit there and potter off and make a cup of tea. And come back and have a look and potter off and make another cup of tea. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, the great thing was interviewing him, really. Yeah. Just uh, we would. He only lives four miles away from where I live, so it's easy to go and see him. Yeah. We would sit down generally at tea time about five o'clock. By then, he's already got his bottle open. Yeah. And uh, the the, uh, the the drink would flow, and the stories would come very easily. Yeah. And um, and yeah, we would talk for an hour, a couple of hours. I get some great anecdotes, some fantastic stories, and that would give me the basis to start. But also, what I loved doing was interviewing his friends, his service crew, old navigators being with him in the past. They all had gems of stories to tell. Yeah. And uh, and then with the research that I could do to find out the events that he'd done and the results that he got, the combination of all those things yeah. made a, a super book. I really enjoyed doing it. And what was great was we, we, we sold quite a few books. We had several reprints. And once it got into profit, we were able to donate to the Yorkshire Air Ambulance yeah. as well, which was a, a lovely reward in itself. So, yeah, great fun. Loved doing it. And what followed that one? Well, funnily enough, years ago, um, back, in, back in the 70s, when the ROC rally used to be based in York. When it were a proper rally. When it were a proper rally, <laughs> like, uh, it, it really was an amazing event. And uh, all the works teams were out and... and um, York Motor Club was, was running the start venue at York Racecourse and part of the service that we provided there was a taxi service, a free taxi service. So when the crews came in for a, a, a halt, if they were staying in the hotels, we gave them free taxi service to the hotels and they'd have to leave their cars in Park Fermi. Yeah. And I volunteered to do this and it was wonderful. I met so many 
famous drivers, Hanu Mikula, Bjorn Bundegaard, mm. some fabulous names. And in a month, did they not tell you you should be taking this round about a bit quick? Pull out the nuts. They, uh, they, it was a wonderful to, to meet these people, uh, uh, absolute legends. And yeah. amongst those legends, uh, uh, a guy I have just a huge amount of respect for, a guy called Chris Slater. Um, it, it's, it's spelled uh, S C L A T R. Yeah, it's actually pronounced Slater. Um, he yeah. was driving. Uh, I think it was for the works of Datsun in those days. And uh, he got in the car with the late Martin Holmes. Yeah. And they were looking very tired after a long day's uh, rallying. And uh, Chris and I got talking. I said, I used to follow you when I was a kid. (laughs) He's 10 years uh, uh, older than me. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I just had a... It's generally not a good way to flatter him, is it? (laughs) (laughs) But but I think he was impressed the fact that I did remember a lot about his career. and, And we got on very well. And um, and uh, when the Yoke Facebook had come out, um, we were friends on Facebook, and he got in touch and said, "Do you fancy me? You know, do you fancy having a chat after all these years?" Yeah. And um, I, I was still working at the time. I, w- I was working in London, so I nipped down to Sussex, where where Chris lives, mm. and uh, we got on famously, and uh, we discussed the idea of having a go at writing a book together. And uh, yeah, what a fantastic uh, experience that was. And. Mm. Um, from there, we have the Yorkshire Rally Mafia. I mean, what inspired this one? Because it's like you've said, the previous books have been about one person. Yeah. This one's about quite a lot of them. 24. 24 <laughs> people, yeah. And I suppose the thing is, you cannot give one of them more page space than any of the others, can you? Because, I mean, they will be looking to see who's come out more favourably than the others. Yeah, absolutely. Not all of them are alive now. I mean, one or two are sadly no longer with us. Um, but um, it, it, to be honest, the, the size of the chapters depended on the amount of stories and the quality of the stories I got and the research yeah. that I gave. But also the amount of photographs that available. Photographs so important in a good rally book. You know, I mean, it's a lot of people don't want to read the words; they'll just want to look at the. Oh pictures. yeah, like, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, that's one thing I see. I'm quite, I'm quite a member of quite a few of the social media rally groups, especially yeah. like the golden years of yeah, rally. Yeah, I've tried many, and yeah. I just love looking at the photographs that ping yeah. up. I mean, yeah. pictures of Anglias yeah. with three spotlights on the front. Exactly. That was a proper rally car. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. When you were interviewing Don Barrow just recently, yeah. of course, a lot of his early career was in Anglias and he uh, was very successful in those emotional news events. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, yeah, for instance, well, trying to decide, Mark, who went in the book in the first place was yeah. a real difficult thing. So that's not all of them. That great list in front is not all of them. That, that, is, that is the list now. But uh, but I arrived at it by getting a couple of rally friends over. And we yeah. sat around this kitchen table and we debated who should go in there. And we yeah. probably came up with a list of about 100 drivers and co-drivers that deserve to be in that book. And who decided who wasn't going in? <laughs> that's the that's the debate really you're right and and uh, or, or is there a volume two lurking lot i think there might be a volume two it's been such a lot of fun uh, and and you know uh, what that is don't you they'll say i've been in that one yeah i'm only in bleeding volume two <laughs> <laughs> but 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 i think what was important was we we, we managed to narrow it down after a, a long debate yeah probably talked for a day about this working out who should go in and who shouldn't and to be honest i've changed my mind a few times after that but we, we eventually came up with this, and I was keen that navigators and co-drivers got their, yeah. got their stories as well. Some great characters, hugely successful uh, not, co-drivers. I mean, well. that's one of the things. Co-drivers tend not to get the recognition. Okay, there are some like Nicky Grist, yeah. um, 
Fabrizio Pons and people yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. They they achieved, and Sebastian Loeb's co-driver from this year's Monte Carlo. Yeah. I mean, she's a t- by by right by profession, she's a teacher. Exactly. And she sits in there and uh, takes the man himself to first place in the yeah. Monte Carlo rally. I think they I think they used to practice, didn't they? I think it, yeah. a lot of the testing was done with her, and um, so that he knew that that would work very well. But you're right. Co-drivers um, don't get the recognition. Tend not to. No, having done a fair amount of co-driving myself, I know, yeah. I know that's the case. But but um, but they also carry some great stories. Of course, they have to risk uh, uh, you know the life and limb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With the driver, there's an awful lot of trust between the two of them. Yeah. And you know that's one of the great things. Sorry to divert from this, but this is one of the great things about today's technology and and and, and forums like. Mm. Facebook is that you've got onboard cameras these days. Yeah, you're not just seeing what's going on, on the outside. You can see what's going on, on the inside. You yeah. can see the teamwork that's involved between driver and co-driver, and that communication and that connection and that trust is just phenomenal. To I just love it when the in-car stuff. I mean, the, the, these cars are airborne down a stage, yeah, and the co-driver very casually licks a thumb and <laughs> turns a page. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But uh, it's an amazing combination, and that's the beauty of the sport. Is it is all about teamwork, and of course, it's not just about the driver and uh, driver and co-driver, but it's also about the service crew as well and yeah. the team management. And they're, they're all winners when they, when they win an event. When if they get achieve a great result, it's everybody's yeah. efforts that brought that result, and that's that's what I love about the sport. Uh, and also, one of the other things I love about it is, which uh, you and I have talked about briefly before, is I love it when you've got. The, the outsider that does real well yeah. and that can still happen in the sport perhaps not so much in WRC level WRC level but certainly at, at clubman and national level you can still get rising drivers coming up from, from, from behind and, yeah. and, and, and achieving some amazing results not always with the best equipment but the fact that they've been able to get close to the, to the top drivers or some, some drivers of superb cars, superb equipment, superb backup, and, and be able to get somewhere close to them, I think is wonderful about the sport. I mean, I was watching something the other day on the Tour de Corsa, or the Corsican Rally, and it was from a good few years ago, but the weather was, they had blisteringly good weather, so it meant all the four-wheel drive cars didn't have the expected advantage. Mm. So all of a sudden, these little Group 2 front-wheel drives, I mean, there was a Peugeot taking part, and this thing was leading. It was only because it rained on the last day that the order went back to what it should be. But until then, <laughs> there was a Group 2 Peugeot showing the world's greatest four-wheel drive teams how you actually drive on tarmac. Yeah, yeah. And that's the great thing. That's the if, if conditions suddenly switch, yeah. the top teams lose their advantages, don't they? To an extent. I think it depends. I think it depends on the train and the... Uh, and of course the talent of the drivers as well but yeah, yeah but it, yeah you're right it's, it's wonderful when you can get a surprise result or a real yeah a real fine performance from somebody else and I think that's what I've loved about the Yorkshire Rally Mafia those the, the guys that we featured here have all achieved something amazing and that was one of the criteria when we looked yeah. at how whether we go in the book or not it's, it's some of the amazing stories that of achievement that they've mm. had and and Probably one of the most favourite names that many people would, would, would look forward to, to reading about is a, a guy called Bob Bean. Yeah. Um, Bob still rides to, to this day, he's in his 80s. He's still <laughs> running a Lotus Cortina and achieving the most amazing uh, times in that car. Yeah. And whilst he's still competitive and whilst he's still enjoying it, Bob, one of the nicest people in rallying, is still out there doing it. And he was competing, you know, 
right back, way, yeah. way back in his dad's mum and dad's cars <laughs> when he first started out. You know, so an absolute legend and still running to this day. So um, yeah, a, a real, real character. And and yeah, you've got likes of Steve Bannister now, uh, just crept into his seventies now. Yeah, still in historic rallying in his Ford Escort, absolutely. Producing the most amazing drives and, and, and results from a, you know, very old technology. That's one good question I was going to ask. Are these drivers all from a, an era? Because I mean, to have built up these reputations and to have the anecdotes and everything else, yeah. these guys are going to be, no disrespect to them, knocking on a bit. <laughs> not, not all of them. Um, the criteria for the book was I wanted to write about the eras that I remember very well i'm 66 now i got yeah. interested when i was in i was only eight years old so i remember the 60s very well uh the 70s and and for me that was a wonderful period in the beginning of the 80s when group b came in and the four-wheel drives and the, the quattros and so on it killed the interest a little bit for me at the yeah. time i know some people go what you're talking about a great period a wonderful area of, of group b but up to that period i felt that you could get you could be competitive with two-wheel drive cars, yeah. it was rear-wheel drive, it was front-wheel drive, a lot of it was down to ability. And so I wanted to stick around that period, so that's why the book really concentrates on the 60s, 70s, and the very, very early uh, yeah. uh, 80s. Uh, and um, you know, the, what, what Yorkshire produced was some fine drivers. Tony Fall, I would probably put as the most successful in terms of it became his life, it became his career. He, he well, when he, when he stopped driving, he became the uh, team manager for Opel. Well done, absolutely spot on, though, yeah. A great driver, a fine driver himself, made a lot, made a, made a, um, uh, his name really with Mike Wood from, uh, from, from Lancashire, of course. Very, he lives near, very, he lives very close to me, doesn't Mike? Wonderful chap who gave me some great stories about yeah. Tony, because of course Tony died some years ago now. Yeah. Because um, the only uh, thing Tony was known for was roll cages. Very much, safety <laughs> devices, that's yeah. right. He was the managing director of safety devices, exactly. Um, and uh, a, a fine driver and, and um, uh, made his name probably, I suppose, in, in minis, but became a worst driver for Datsun and BMW and Porsche and Ford. Oh boy, he, uh, and then he, you're right to say he, he uh, began um, a dealer Opel team in, yeah. uh, in, in Yorkshire. And finally moved to Germany and became team manager yeah. for, for Opel and um, very successful Walter Roll and Arivata and some, some great names driving for him. So, yeah, what a hero Tony Fall was. I mean, that's the other thing you mentioned there, like Roll and Vattenen. Yeah. Uh, that was the difference. These guys, besides rallying race, they did all sorts. Yeah. You don't see that now with modern rally drivers, do you? No, I think I think Sebastian Loeb is sort of heading off into that, into that direction. He's certainly yeah. been doing. Lee keeps well. coming back. I've retired. I don't know. I have another do. I think <laughs> the problem is when Loeb has another do, he goes and wins it, doesn't yeah, he? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, one of the characters, a chap called John Heppenstall, is from Elland and uh, he, uh, he's still around today is John, bless him, real character, fantastic yeah. character and he did a bit of everything um, and uh, he would do hill climbing, he would do caravan rallies, he would do <laughs> night rallies, yeah a real, he, he told me a wonderful story yeah, that's going in the book, One of the, he was involved in some of the early Harewood hill climbs Oh yeah. and uh, he entered in two cars on a, a Harewood hill climb, he brought his old Cortina GT was caught in a Lotus. He'd just done five days Scottish rally in it. Yeah. Brought it along to do the hill climb. He took the the driver seat out of the spare tank and lighted the car up, got all the lights off it. But also he entered his mum's E-type Jaguar. <laughs> he did all the practice in the Cortina 
and uh, did his runs in the, in the Cortina first and he said he'd been in the car all those days he didn't need to look at the rev counter he knew when the engine when he needed to change up yeah. he just knew it by the sound of the engine got in his mum's E-type Jaguar and of course it was so quiet it was a road going car yeah. not a race car and he was hurtling up the hill towards the final right hander before yeah. he finished there thought oh, the car's a bit quiet it's not really revving very well and he was so busy listening to the engine he missed the right hander completely went under the ropes <laughs> flew in the air landed in the spectator car park yeah and uh, the car was completely undamaged apart from ripping off all three white bullet sides so that last right hander at Haywoods yeah uh, normally it's an adverse camber there's quite a few come sliding off at that one yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, I think in those days, I think the Alco finished just before it. So oh, right, so he's he nothing solid to him. He's nothing solid. <laughs> it was <laughs> just <laughs> a rope back in the 60s. Uh, off he went. And another great character that I must mention, uh, uh, one of one of my uh, absolute heroes, um, and he really made his name in the 60s, and that's a, a chap called Peter Proctor. And uh, Peter um, uh, uh, now lives in uh, Apple Treewick, a, a fantastic driver. Um, he uh, was started racing first initially in Aston Martins and his road going Aston Martin. Yeah. First event, I believe he was third overall. Second event, he was second overall. Thought he'd go into single seater, so he started running Coopers and lots of uh, uh, single seater racing. Became a works driver. I was second in the Formula Two race at Monaco yeah. for Tyrrell. And uh, he told me this lovely story of being on the train coming back from. Uh, from Monaco with Ken Tyrrell and Ken um, had the Formula 1 team as well as the uh, F2 team and said Peter you've showed just what a what a great driver you are we're losing drivers all the time mm. yeah it's a very difficult period back in the 60s where uh, lots and lots of fabulous drivers were sadly lost well uh, that uh, extended into the 70s and the 80s uh, regretfully didn't it did yeah and uh, uh, um, 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 uh, Ken Terrell said to Peter, do you fancy having a go at Formula One? Yeah. And Peter Proctor must be one of the few people in this earth that would say, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't for the danger, actually. Uh, uh, Peter said, had asked how much was he going to get paid, and in those days, pay wasn't very much for an F1 driver, not, not like today's uh, uh, figures. And uh, uh, Peter had a very successful uh, building yeah. business, and felt that that's where his, uh, his life uh, lay but he also took up rallying to, to make your point yeah he'd started on the circuits thought he'd have a go at rallying had a go with a bought a uh, Sunbeam Rapier which oh, yeah. back in the 60s was a very very competitive car he was competing in, uh, against the works drivers like um, uh, um, um, oh gosh um, Harper um, can you mind me? Raymond Baxter was one of the uh, oh, yeah. drivers yeah uh, one of the rally drivers in the, in the team Peter Harper and it's Peter Harper, thank you. Yes. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> one of the and um, uh, he he, he uh, ended up being so good that he joined the works team and became yeah. a works driver for for Rapier as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, so yeah, he was a works driver in racing and in rallying, mm -hmm. and uh, very successful. Ended up driving for Alan Mann racing yeah. in rallying as well as on the circuits. And then one of his probably yeah, one of the most uh, heroic stories I've got for the book was Peter was racing at, uh, I think it was Alton Park or, or uh, uh, what's the other circuit, uh, Good... Um, Goodwood. Goodwood. Might have been at Goodwood. Uh, and uh, he was racing on Broadspeed Anglia. Oh yeah. For, in the first lap, he was well up towards the leaders, having a, a hell of a battle. 
and he got punted up the rear by by a, another driver it sent the the Anglia that he was racing into a multiple rolls yeah and uh, uh car went end over end and, and uh, uh, ended up on its side Peter undid his his seatbelt dropped to the passenger side mm. it, was, it was laid on its side dropped to the passenger door um it was all disorientated yeah. tried to stand on the tunnel to push the driver's door up oh. to, to, to climb climb yeah. out and uh, he, he the weight of the door and he fell back down again then he realized that the car was on fire yeah so he had another go opening the door it still wouldn't open though just the weight was too much for him by then he was on fire yeah uh, uh the perspex was melted because of the, the fire so he was able to climb through the hole yeah through the uh the, the the driver's door jumped down to the circuit and marshals in those days back in the 60s they wore overcoats and flat caps and yeah. had a, <laughs> Poor guy, yeah, in, in terrible trouble, and the extinguishers did virtually nothing for him. Yeah. But luckily, he had a, a, a spectator with a, with a, with a, a good thoughts of running over, climbed over the uncle, ran over with his overcoat, wrapped him in the coat, yeah, and, and put him out. Yeah. And, and uh, Peter's famous saying was to, to the spectator who said, what can we do if you said, would you mind awfully calling for an ambulance? <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Just, you know, what a, what a legend. Uh, and of course, in those days, perhaps they didn't have an, an ambulance at the circuit, you know. No. Um, well, I mean, that was something that Jackie Stewart brought in, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. it, it, can, can we have an ambulance? I mean, there's the famous yeah. story, and I can't remember the driver's no doubt something. The ambulance broke down on the way to the hospital. <laughs> and that was it. One ambulance got lost because it didn't know where the nearest hospital ridiculous, was. Ridiculous, ridiculous. <coughs> but uh, uh, Peter uh, sadly suffered 65% burnt. So yeah. He was very, very badly injured. Um, but came came back to, to racing. Uh, a, a fantastic character and has been a fantastic representative for motor racing safety ever yeah. since. And uh, he, he famously back in the 60s and 70s, he famously appeared in adverts for advocating the use of uh, overalls, of course, flint yeah. roof overalls and that sort of thing. So uh, a real character and gave him some superb stories. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Peter was a real, real... I think that was the one thing. Drivers from the 50s and 60s and 70s, especially rally drivers, are bigger characters because they're more down-to-earth. So you could certainly say that, of, I think, of every especially character. York, especially Yorkshire drivers. Exactly. Yeah, there's some real heroes. There's another uh, real hero that I think a lot of people will, will want to hear about that is in the book. He's a chap, a chap called Mike, uh, Mike Jackson, yeah. or one-armed Mike Jackson, <laughs> who was very, very successful as a, as a rally driver. He lost his right arm in a, in a car accident. Didn't stop Mike from rallying. All right. Uh, no special controls. Um, he, um, uh, he 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 drove with one arm very yeah. very successfully and achieved amazing class results and overall results in Ford Escorts. Yeah, with one arm, absolute hero and uh, uh, still around today. Is Mike lives uh, out uh, out near Driffield and uh, an absolute legend. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Some great great stories for for him as well. Now. As we said earlier on, you have done a bit of rallying. You're you're a fan of the Ford Escort yourself, aren't yes. you? Both as the driver and the co-driver. Yeah, yeah, a, a fabulous car. Mm. I've never, no, I always wanted to have a BDA Escort. Yeah, never been able to afford that. I did have a pretty quick Escort, but it's it, uh, I, I could never drive. It's like these heroes. I, I <laughs> loved I loved my time uh, as a driver, but when you sit in with a a really good driver, yes, yeah. it's, it's, it's eye-opening, you know. Yeah. and uh, and. Uh, um, 
sometimes I wish when I'd started driving that I'd had that opportunity. I should have started co-driving earlier. Yeah. To see how the uh, top drivers drove because their 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 talent uh, showed me an awful lot. And, yeah. And, and and actually, I didn't used to think about how I drove. I thought if I was in out of ditches and sideways everywhere, I was going really well. But yeah. In fact, you can tidy things up a little yeah. bit, <laughs> and you go into bend sideways and come out straight, and you get that power down, and you use those straights as best you possibly can to, to keep and look for the grab grip make sure you keep out of the ruts and on the loose and 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 use your head yeah you can get some really really good times and i wish i'd i wish i'd learned that earlier in my life but nevertheless a fantastic uh, a fantastic uh, car to drive and it's just, it's a, still a favorite with spectators yeah. to day historic rallying is very popular the Raponian rally um, had its own historic uh, rally within it and there were more historic centre than there were modern cars because uh, it has such a, a fantastic following. Now I have to ask you what is your opinion of modern day rallying? <laughs> I mean, most people know my opinion, it's like watching PlayStation uh, it's a bit like my, well I personally don't watch modern F1 I think it's sacrilege. What is your opinion of modern day rallying? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not quite as outrageous as yours <laughs> I, th I think it's still it's still a fantastic sport. It's it's um, you're right. It does look a bit like PlayStation though. Sometimes when you get some of the aerials. By the way, other online computerized games are of it. But when you watch it, it does look yes. The the, the grip levels with these modern yeah. cars now is just absolutely phenomenal, and the technology involved. I think that's probably where you're coming from, isn't it? That the technology takes over a, a, a great deal with the yeah. with the cars and. I love, like you, I think, love to see the skill of the, the driver and co-driver and, and uh, when you haven't got all those driver aids, it does make a difference and it's the same in Formula 1, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, it's a bit like in modern rallying, does the Scandi flick still exist? Yeah. No, because yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. the modern cars will do it. Well, it, you're right, the technology just, just it does mean that the cars are more straight line, but it's still a spectacular sport. I, I do disagree with you, I think it is still a spectacular sport. Mm. Uh, well, it is when you've got like Loeb and people like that because these guys don't back off yeah, do they? but we've also don't forget Craig Breen and don't yeah. forget um, uh, Elvin Evans and we've got some we have some Gus Greensmith perhaps not quite at the, at the same level as those two but he's coming on we have some great drivers in WRC you know, yeah. that are trying to probably are achieving what, what Richard Burns and, and Conor McRae were doing so the, the sport can still bring out some new and exciting drivers mm. and it's lovely to see see the Brits still having a go you know yeah. they're still amongst some of those top drivers but you're right the the, uh, the winners seem to be coming from France quite a lot don't they yeah <laughs> Mine, a bit like Yorkshire they have some cracking roles as well absolutely I think we should also mention some great co-drivers co I mean one of the most famous ones in the book is going to be Phil Short. Yes. Fantastic uh, uh, achievement and uh, still works in the sport to this day. He's still a steward in motorsport and still helping the young, young uh, academy uh, drivers uh, coming on. Uh, and, and a great contributor to the book, by the way, is, is Phil. Um, so he has some great stories of his time with Jack Tordoff and uh, um, uh, with Tony Drummond and some many great drivers that are also in the book. Now, if somebody wants to get hold of the Yorkshire Rally Mafia, how do they get hold of it? At the moment, it's only through me. So yeah. you, you can drop an email to me, and it's j.pauline, spelled P-U-L-L-E-Y-N, at yahoo.com. Or have a look out for me on Facebook. You'll find me on, on Facebook as, uh, as Jonathan Pauline. Just drop me a, an email, or I'll make a note on, the, on my Facebook page. Drop me a PM, I'll be delighted. And how much is it? 
Well, there's two books. There's I mean, this is, we're in Yorkshire. We're yeah, talking about yeah, Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah. The famous Yorkshire battle cry. Yeah, yeah. How much? Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a big book. It's uh, 290 pages, 300, 340 photographs. The hardback is £50 plus postage, and the paperback is £30 plus postage and packaging. Grand. JP, Jonathan Pullin, rally driver, call driver, author. Thanks very much for joining me on the Backseat Driver Radio Show. Thank you, Mark.